Welcome to the Marketing for Learning podcast. This is the only place in the world, probably, where you can learn everything that you need to know about applying marketing practices and thinking to the world of learning. So to quote my favorite piece of e-learning, let's get started. It's funny, right? Because no one has a favorite piece of e-learning. Hey, Hannah, how are you doing today? I'm all good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, We're here to talk about learning campaigns today, and I'm really excited about it. I think this is probably one of the sessions I've been looking forward to speaking about the most. I think it's, well, it's the main reason why I kind of started Mass in the first place, because I was seeing on LinkedIn all the time people talking about this new campaign that they'd built for learning and seeing that it was like my eye twitching uh seeing that it was you know just single interactions um one attempt at communication one time um and kind of labeling that a a comms campaign and it well it enraged me frankly (laughs) but i yeah i think there's so much more to it than that and i that's what we're really kind of trying to cover off today is you know what is a learning campaign what does it really look like and you know what can people start to do to think about introducing these in the organization and fundamentally why they're of any use whatsoever in the first place right yeah why bother yeah why why should we bother though i think for me it's it comes back and it blows my mind almost that learning professionals don't think of this because it comes back to that like building a habit and I know like so many people are talking about how space repetition and the forgetting curve and that is like debunked at the moment like let's not talk about it it's falling into that the same style as learning styles but we know they they, they belong in the sea (laughs) I know but we know that repeating something time and time again does aid learning so why do they why do people think that sending one email is going to make somebody go oh I'm going to be a lifelong learner now I'm going to, you know what, once a week, I'm going to, I've read this email, so now I'm going to make sure that I learn consistently all the time. They're not. And it's kind of our job as learning professionals to make sure that we keep in front of mind. And that's a saying that we use quite a lot in branding, stay in front of mind. L&D needs to do that too. And learning campaigns are a surefire way to do it. Yeah, and interestingly, the habits piece is because it's something I harp on about as well. And I'm actually, well, I'm listening to it rather than reading it, the James Clear book, Atomic Habits. And there's some like super interesting stuff in there. Like he's talking about how to build habits in your day-to-day life or in your personal life and how you can associate new habits with things that you do every day. Um, And I don't know, there was some really interesting things in that where he's basically talking about, you know, if you want to build a habit you've got to do this over time like it doesn't happen overnight like you you know hey I want to be really like super strong and muscly and a bodybuilder you don't just wake up and having gone to the gym every day for a year you've got to accept that there there's a bit of a hurdle which is why he's talking about like associating it with existing habits and and um, making it easier for this adoption phase so you mean I can't go to the gym once and get skinny because that's kind of how I wanted it to work (laughs) (laughs) I've tried many times, but the brownie I just ate says otherwise, so I I don't know. (laughs) Oh, shucks. But, but, you know, I mean, I I know I go back to the gym a lot because, like, that's that's for me, like, a habit that I'm not very good at sustaining at times. But that habit piece is really important, and it's something that L&D actually does look at 
from a learning perspective, they'll build out learning programs and blended programs and strategies which are designed for knowledge acquisition over a period of time, well, knowledge acquisition and application over a period of time. So why wouldn't we apply that exact same logic to communications? And learning campaigns have to do the exact same thing, consistently presenting an idea or a message over a period of time. Absolutely. And again, it, obviously, we're getting this inspiration from marketing. So if you look at big brands like McDonald's, don't send an email and then never do any other marketing. And they were a huge brand with loads of brand recognition. They probably could get away with not marketing for a year and it probably wouldn't dent their income. But they don't because they know the importance of staying front of mind. And it, it really is that. It's just making your learners remember that there, there is something that they should be doing and they can be doing. Yeah, like planting little seeds. Like I use the term like inceptioning, you know, and you're not you're not necessarily like saying like every single comms that we do, we want this outcome. We want them to do this learning. Like, no, like you're trying to kind of build a good reputation, solidify some trust, get into this tacit contract with them that actually if they give you their time, they're going to get something out of it, you know. And I mean, I talked about the what's in it for me in a previous episode, but this stuff is really intrinsic to a campaign. And funnily enough, when you were just saying there about McDonald's, I, I love using the share a Coke example as one of my favorite pieces of like a campaign because most people recognize it as a big campaign and they don't really understand why it was so effective. And it was because they put names on every bottle of Coke. And so then people started sharing, taking photos. If you've got an obscure name, someone might take a photo when they see your name and they're sharing it on social media. Wow, like this is incredibly powerful. I was actually talking about that exact campaign in a workshop I did the other week. And um, it was a universal group. So there was people like across Europe in it and other places in the world. And somebody wrote, but my name's really strange and I never found a bottle. But even then, because she never found a bottle, she still had Coke front of mind. It's, it's, and I was like, well, you could have gone on their website. If you're a massive Coca-Cola fan like I am, you'd know you could go on their website and get a personalised bottle. But regardless of that... You, Who are you? <laughs> did I you know, do that? I did. No, I didn't buy one. I knew you could do it. I found oh, Hannah right. and yeah, Louise. Yeah. I found both my names. Ah, yes. The, the <laughs> but, truth comes um, out that you don't have one but two first names. Oh, most people know that anyway, surely. Oh, no, it's not in your LinkedIn, which oh, means it's not true. It's not. Confession time. <laughs> you try to call me Hannah Louise all the time and see how quickly you get fed up with it. <laughs> when you call me Ashley, but... I feel in trouble. So no, I won't be doing that. <laughs> Stop grassing me up then, Ashley. Oh, I'll take it back. <laughs> but... <laughs> but it's true. Even the fact that she, she... And she did say, she was like, I really remember this campaign happening. And it made me feel like, oh, I don't have a bottle with my name on it. But still, regardless of the fact that it was like almost a negative emotion, because she was sad she couldn't find a bottle with her name on it, Coca-Cola was still front of mind. Yep, exactly. And I think that kind of takes us on nicely to like, if we could continue with that thread of campaign, what what the components of a campaign would actually be. You know, if, if primary goal is usually to keep front of mind and, and then therefore that will lead to more sales, right? That's a secondary goal to raising brand awareness and, and like we said, that building trust piece, for example. 
but they didn't use just one channel. Obviously, these guys are a big consumer brand, so they have huge budgets. They've got TV advertising, they've got billboards, they've got all their different social media channels. I don't think they probably use email. It's not huge in B2C. Um, but then they've got probably display advertising and pay, pay, paid advertising and retargeting, I would have thought. Uh, the list goes on, and then user-generated content through all the photographs. They've got a lot of channels there, L&D doesn't. So we, we, I'm, I don't know about you, but the conversations I'm having with clients, I'm seeing the same types of comms channels always emerging. Um, and those are pretty much teams or something of that ilk. If they're in the Microsoft suite, then they've usually got a SharePoint as well. Uh, something along the lines of a Slack or a Yammer. Um, and then obviously they've got the internal email comms channel, They'll usually have the ability for push notifications from their platform of some kind if they've got an LMS in-house. And then you've got your kind of like grassroots at the office type environments. (laughs) Do you remember that woman on the webinar a few months ago who said she got did stuff on the toilet paper? The toilet paper, yeah. (laughs) Oh, it sticks in my mind so vividly that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because I, I always come back to that when I think about, and I've said this on webinars and everything in the past as well, when I went to Google, this is like one of the biggest tech companies in the world. And I went there, I think it was like 2014-ish. And they were still advertising like upcoming programs and do this and join in with that on the back of the toilet door. It's a good place. Because people are stationary. People read it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I and don't like think this, there's anything like, wrong with that. Google have all the tech of the world and if it doesn't exist and they want it to exist, they can probably make it. Mm. And they're still advertising on the back of the toilet door. So it just shows that it works. It's effective. So Yeah. So I think what, what, what we're really looking to do with a campaign is exploit and leverage all of those channels um, and do that over a period of time. And and I think some of the key issues that I see in L&D or maybe shortcomings that, that are being encountered time and time again or or the types of mindsets that are occurring is um, not necessarily reframing a business agenda into a learner agenda. Um, So still using L&D oriented language, um, even referring to employees as learners. Like if I work in a big company, I'm not a learner. I don't know what that means. Like that's not language I understand at all. Um, But how can we, you know, if, if we're really like trying to talk to these people, we're an intention economy. They don't care. They've got all their other life stuff going on. How, how do we how do we talk to them like human beings? How do we get their attention? You know, yes, we've got all these channels, but how do what do we do with that? I just think as well, it, it comes back again. I don't actually think we're going to do a single podcast in this entire series where we don't mention this. And it's got a whole podcast dedicated to the topic of the what's in it for me. Yes. You need to I really think it. about... you really need to think about what your learners actually want and I think it's really easy in L&G to suddenly forget and marketing to be fair really easy to forget that you're also if you're an employee of that company too even though you're in the L&G team you're also a learner so all of your busyness all of your colleagues also have so you need to really think about how you're talking to them and kind of like when and where and the kind of length of the message you're saying like if you're sending out an email with 10 paragraphs in it, nobody's reading it. I'm sorry. The CEO might read it. He's, he's definitely it. not. I mean, that was a bit sexist me saying a he anyways, but I mean, they are definitely not reading it. They don't have the time. I think that the, the point stands that 
Yes, like in fact, in that uh, Atomic Habits again, he was talking about the the, start, the what did he call, call it? Standing and pointing to get attention, and he was using a, an example of the railway system in Japan. And there's like all, loads of different staff that like basically stand and like point and do this like this thing's working and it gets attention. And I thought like really that's that's what we're trying to do, isn't it? Like just standing up and down and going, look at us, look at us. And if you only do that once, like. I was breaking it down. So say you've got like 10,000 employees and you decide that you are just going to send one comms via email because that's an easy platform. It's an easy medium. You've got your employee list. You're going to send it one time. Now, uh, I would hazard a guess that internal email open rates are probably lower than B2B averages, but let's just settle around a 20% open rate. So you've got about 2,000 people who have opened the email what would you say a good click-through rate for that is going to be 5%, if that? Yeah, so, if that. I, my gut feel then was 3%, so... Right, so, I mean, I can't do the quick maths, um, but... There's not a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> quickly, our, our audience pool has diminished, and that's why we have to have these multiple touch points on multiple different channels over a period of time, because we're looking to find hit somebody at the right moment and find their attention and 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 chances are they might dismiss something now or again um but eventually if you get the messaging right you get the timing right you get the channel right you'll you you will hit those people and you will resonate so then you know that dwindling number on that one email okay but then you've got another interaction and another interaction eventually people start to have those visual markers if you if you're especially developing like campaign oriented visuals um, but I think, you know, that's the biggest thing for me is that consistency piece over a period of time and having a red thread that goes through that. So I, I've, I've seen it with our vendor clients and I've seen it on the L&D side too, where it's like, we want, we want leads. The vendors are like, we want leads. We want them to buy the product. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, let's just go out and, uh, just tell them to buy the product. They'll do that. Right. Like, you know, or, Hey, the, the business wants you to learn this. So go and do it doesn't mean anything so you know again what are the benefits of this why should they give you their attention why should they give you their time those are way more important things that you should be including in your content in your messaging than we want you to do this thing and send that message 15 times it's what they're going to get out of it and i think lnd as a whole if you ask an lnd professional what they do they'll say i deliver face-to-face programs or i create e-learning content or I create learning content in a virtual environment. But is that really what we're doing? Are we not helping learners be more productive, be better leaders? I don't know, learn the skills that they need to learn, whatever it is that you're delivering. Surely what the learners are getting out of it, that's what we're delivering, not the delivery method. And it, it, come, it always comes back to the benefits for the learner. And it's not, it's not often translated like a conversation I've been having a lot recently is how much of a blocker management can be, especially in, in more deskless industries like manufacturing, retail, those sort of environments. The managers aren't necessarily providing the time that people need to learn. So even if the individual is quite motivated to learn, the manager isn't giving them time to do that. But again, that needs to be translated and communicated. Like what benefits are they going to see as a a manager if their teams are more educated, more productive, more engaged, therefore turnover might be lower, therefore sickness might be lower. These are all really important benefits that you can't just say learning is important. 
That doesn't mean anything. I think it also then comes back to the whole segmenting your audience. Whether you're going to build out personas, like we've spoken about a lot, the whole learner persona concept, or you're just going to break down your audience into managers and not managers, or senior leaders, managers, and all your different job roles. Because I'm working with a client at the moment that's having that exact problem. They've got a whole group of managers that aren't interested in learning. So no matter how motivated their employees are to learn, they're not going to do it because their manager's not prioritising it. And we're doing a specific campaign targeting those managers to basically teach the managers why they should care and what's in it for them for encouraging their people to learn. So it's a trickle-down process that I think people often overlook. Yeah. So, like, what would you say if we were... Because I'm I'm just always being mindful of time. Um, (laughs) What would you say are the kind of key components of a campaign? Or, like, if we were to look at a process, you know, in in a couple of minutes, just compress it down, because you're doing this with a couple of clients at the moment, what would that kind of process be to developing a campaign? I think in the first instance, again, so shock horror the what's in it for me once you've established that you need to look at your available platforms it's all well and good saying you want to create a really high like sophisticated email campaign and then you go oh but i've only got outlook okay well if you want it to be that sophisticated somebody's gonna have to sit behind it and keep sending those emails do you have the time do you have the capacity are like are you able to actually do this um look at the platforms you've got if you're saying oh i want to get banners created and i say to you well where are you going to put them and you don't have an answer you don't need a banner like if you don't have an internal internet and things like that but pick out the channels you can use and as you said earlier ash it's email i know we slate email a lot because we say one email doesn't change the world but use email effectively and it's fantastic it's normally an internal intranet of some sort and it's normally some kind of communications platform and then from there you need to get internal buy-in in the L&D team then you need to get your senior managers bought in and then it's only from there that that message is going to amplify throughout your business if people uh, the people that are influencing your business are turning their nose up that's not going to work so it's a trickle down thing but I think the the main thing is working out the what's in it for me and who you're targeting then picking the correct channels that you can actually use. I've spoken to a lot of people lately that are like, we want to do a whiz-bang campaign, and then they've got no budget and no platforms. Well, you can't do it then, sorry, guys. Like, we have to work within our constraints, and it's more than possible to do a really effective learning campaign on a small budget. You just need to put the thought into it. Yeah, and even even just on, like, one or two channels, right? I mean, like, look at us. We do pretty much just marketing on LinkedIn, you know, we mm-hmm. it, it, sometimes it terrifies me that we do that because if LinkedIn dies, we die. But, you know, it... it, it that's why the podcast exists. That's right. Yes. <laughs> We're getting there. Magic. But I think, you know, it, it it's... There is a quote that's something like, just because I can't do everything doesn't mean I can't do something and it carries on. But I think that that is really pertinent here because it isn't a case of, like, let's do everything and let's develop like an annual campaign like just try some small stuff try and think okay like we know that we we know that we've got something we want to communicate let's try to find a unified idea that that talks to the benefits and the what's in it for me for this audience instead of the business mandate how can we communicate that how can we use our visual language to communicate that you know this this is the sort of stuff that i want to really encourage l and d to start thinking about because i don't see it happening i see i see communication being done and i see content being created 
but I don't see the strategic piece that sits underneath it. And I don't see people actually taking a step back, considering their learners as people, as human beings that are not predominantly led and driven by learning at work. Like, let's be honest, like no one loves it. That's fine. Let's accept where we are and move on. But really, like we've got to, we've got to take that first step in initiating the, that discourse with, with our audience, and it's up to us. The onus is on us as L and D practitioners to say, "This is worth your time. This is worth your attention." And if I don't get your attention the first time, that's fine because I'm going to try again. But I'm not going to send the same thing over and over and over again. I'm going to try different techniques. I'm going to test different things, and then you know what? I'm going to learn and then I'm going to get some data and I'm going to change my approach as a consequence. And I think the biggest thing, even if you've only got one channel or a few channels, regardless of what you've got, you're going to have to test. What works for you might not work for another company and vice versa. And there's nothing wrong. If you send one email and it doesn't work, fine. Try something different next time. The the world's not going to explode because you sent one email that nobody opened. You just need to try that's all the marketing for learning comes down to yeah exactly I, I think learning from those failures is is actually one of the fundamental aspects of learning that we could do more of in learning I, I don't I don't see D thinking ah if I if this isn't successful there will be a huge learning opportunity there even though we're a learning function <laughs> very strange I don't know but that very test, strange. that you know that that in in what I'm trying to say initiate um like have it go in and then actually testing and iterating as a consequence like i'm sure there's more classy ways to say that that cycle by the way <laughs> but brain that's about all it's you're getting mass. today <laughs> hey, you get what i'm saying anyways but i think you know there, Absolutely. this is this is a complex subject and i think the fact that we've talked a little bit longer than we normally would on this just is testament to the fact that there is a lot to unpick here but i guess if I wanted to leave the audience with one parting thought, it is if we want to change behaviors, then we have to change the processes that sit behind those behaviors. And the only way for us to interrupt our employees and change their patterns of behavior and their habits is through comms, through marketing. There's no other way to reach them, you know? absolutely and the one thing i'd add to that is it's consistent comms and marketing you can't do one campaign that lasts i don't know a month and then think you've done and you're a marketing for learning genius that's not how it works no and actually that length of time is really problematic for me you know i think short campaigns do very little they just they don't Mm -hmm. you don't have enough time to even solidify the ideas in people's minds before you've moved on to the next thing and it's it's not enough i i mean really if you're looking at changing culture shifting mindsets building different habits with people really change management of any kind a year you know that's really what we're looking at i think that's gonna have blown people's minds ash (laughs) i think we're gonna leave on that bombshell (laughs) yeah it's true though right i just i can't i don't see how we it's not gonna happen next month it's not gonna probably happen this quarter either no, I mean, how many times have we had conversations with clients where they're like, well, when will we start seeing results? And we're like, maybe in a year. Maybe. You know, like that, that's <laughs> if you're doing branding stuff, it's not it's inevitable. It's all this little like fluffy, intangible stuff Like you can't like these are feelings and thoughts that people have. Like you can't just, you know, if you want me to give you loads of 
email addresses, I'm not doing that. But, you know, that's to me not changing perceptions of your brand. That's asking for email addresses. So, yeah, I think there's just, it needs to, we need to have a, like a longer term view of, mm-hmm. you know, shifting cultures and shift change management. And it is slow glacial processes. But one day you'll look back and you'll realize why it was all worth it. You just got to trust the process. Yeah. You'll get there. <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, look, thanks so much for your time today. Obviously, if you guys loving what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe. We are making podcasts sometimes, um, quite regularly-ish. <laughs> Ish. Uh, so, yeah, so we're doing what we can, but we've uh, we've got quite a few more episodes coming in this season and uh, we'll round out the 2021 with some good stuff. <laughs>